welcome back to the Resilience Institute podcast today for episode 30. I'm back in my groove now after a busy week or two that you would have seen if you follow me on Instagram. And I just want to quickly say I never expected to get people messaging me to check up when a new episode is being released when I started this podcast. So I'm extremely grateful and it must mean that you're getting something from these episodes, which makes me extremely happy. So thank you. Um, if you're one of the ones who message me or share it or put it on your stories, whatever, I really appreciate um, all of the support. So today's topic for episode 30, a bit of a milestone, I have a banger. And I keep saying that certain episodes are the most important I've ever done. So I'm going to probably stop that because they're all equally as important for the right person. But today it is a special one. So muscle activation. It's the prime example of a fucking buzzword that no one actually knows what it means anymore. And even if it's even a legitimate thing. And people have been brainwashed into thinking that muscles need to be turned on before they go and train in the gym. But training isn't sex. You don't need foreplay. It's completely fine to just go get straight into it. And in this episode, we're going to chat about what muscles do and how muscles work. I'll give a few scenarios where the connection or the, the signal between the brain and the muscle is actually altered and it, the, it may not work as well. And then finally, I'll give the real reason and the cause as to why you feel the need to activate your muscles all the time and what to do instead and what to prioritize instead. So we, like, muscles are always ready to work or the, the concept of needing to activate them is really just a marketing gimmick that's used to sell activation routines, programs, PDFs, booty bands, when in truth, they're a complete waste of time. And yes, I used to do them. I'll put my hand up. I used to believe in them and think they were awesome. And that's kind of why I do what I do for a job now. Like my aim is to help you learn from my mistakes and, and my wasted time and money and energy to to help you put your time and effort into things that are actually going to give you a decent return on time investment and, and even money, right? And, and energy. So anyone who tells you you need to activate a muscle to use it is either stuck in their old ways and their biases or they're trying to make money from you. Or sometimes it can actually be both and they just have no idea that its activation isn't a thing, okay? So firstly, we'll have a chat about what muscles do and how they actually work. And I'm going to try and explain it as simply as possible. So we know the brain controls the body, right? To complete whatever task we need to do each day, whether it be running, walking, going to work, driving, picking things up, getting dressed, cooking, whatever, okay? We have our skeleton, that's the bones, and then we have ligaments, and they join the bones together at the joints, right? So they secure the joint, and then we have muscles, and this is how the body moves the bones or moves the joints, right? So the muscle, it crosses the joint to provide movement at that specific joint. So for simple sake, we have where the muscle originates from, the origin, and that's the stationary bone, okay? That one doesn't move. We then have the insertion, and that's where the muscle then attaches to. And that bone, the one that the muscle inserts on, is the bone that's moving, okay? Muscles, we know they shorten and they lengthen. When they shorten, it pulls the bones closer, and when they lengthen, it, the bones move further apart. So let's use the bicep for an example. The bicep originates or comes from the shoulder, and then it travels down and it inserts on the forearm, okay? So when it shortens, it pulls the forearm towards or closer to the shoulder. And as a result, we get flexion at the elbow. It flexes your elbow. It crosses the elbow joint and it provides movement at the elbow. And like when I, even when I'm explaining it now, and, and like to this day, it still blows my mind as, 
as to the complexity of how we actually move and how the brain and the body work together and how things happen. Because we got, So we, we have 600 muscles, right? And each of those 600 muscles, they have their own specific action. Like we've got the bicep that flexes the elbow. We have the deltoids, they flex the shoulder. Flex, extend, abduct the shoulder. We have the pec major that, that brings the upper arm bone closer towards the middle of the body. That's adduction. We have like the flexor carpus um, carpus ulnaris, radialis, the palmaris longus. They flex the wrist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You get the point. For us to actually pick something up or to actually complete out a task, the brain needs to coordinate the timing and the amount and strength of contraction for each of those muscles, right? We get our hand from A to B. Then we need our fingers and our palm to grab it with enough force to hold it, but not to break it or drop it. Like, so we have too much bicep action and we can't reach out and grab it because we don't have enough elbow um, extension, not enough shoulder action or shoulder muscle activity, and we can't actually lift our arm high enough. And that's not even getting into the fact we then need strength and endurance in each muscle to be able to do tasks that are in differing loads, so heavier or lighter, um, in duration, so endurance-wise, how long do you have to hold it for? We're simply talking about the brain coordinating each movement. So the brain, what it does is it sends a signal to each muscle, right? It travels from the brain down the spinal cord and it it exits out of the spine via spinal nerves and then they travel to the target muscle, okay? That's how muscles work. That's how they're actually innovated. The brain sends a signal of what it needs the muscle to do and the muscle contracts, okay? You don't have to activate your bicep and your shoulder and your wrist muscles to pick up the fucking glass, right? Your brain just tells those muscles what to do. The more you do something, the better your brain gets at coordinating these movements or these skills. Like you think about when you rode a bike, it took practice and you had to actually learn the skill. Driving a car, the same thing. Um, Using a tool, playing a video game. Like the brain learns the patterns and the coordination or, or, or you could call it the skill of that action. And over time, it just gets better at coordinating those actions, right? You never have to fucking activate your glutes to get out of bed in the morning. You never have to activate your hand muscles to use a video game controller. You don't have to, you don't go to walk up the stairs and you're like, okay, I got to activate my quads first, right? You never have to do an activation routine before you go get coffee at lunch when you're trying to get out of work, right? You just fucking get up, you walk out and you go to the coffee shop, right? And you're probably like, you're probably looking right now. You're like, what the fuck are you on Hayden? Like, why would you have to activate for that? But that's the whole point. It's the same concept for training. The brain sends a signal to the muscle and the muscle works. It just does its thing. Over time, you get more coordinated. You learn the skill of strength training. And that's where we're going to get to. For that to happen, you have to use and practice the proper technique, the proper setup, the proper execution of what you want to develop and train. Okay? No activation routine is going to switch a muscle on or get it ready for you to, for it to actually work in your training session, okay? And hopefully you're all with me because if I didn't explain it well enough, then I've lost because I've summed it up as much as I can. But now, there's I'll go over, there's a few scenarios where, like we've talked about how the brain sends a signal, but there's a few scenarios where the connection between the brain, it'll actually be altered or it won't be as strong, okay? And I'll talk about those now. And, and this is where it's actually genuine that you may not have that, that skill or coordination or strength. Okay. And then once we go over that, I'll talk a bit about why you feel the need to activate your muscles and then what to do instead. Right. So the first scenario where, uh, the connection between the brain and the muscle might be altered 
is if a nerve at any level between that muscle and brain is damaged or completely severed, right? So we're talking acute traumatic injuries um, of a nerve that goes to a muscle or the spinal cord itself. And that's going to physically limit the ability to send signals from the brain because it's like having it's like having an electrical cable. If you cut that electrical cable, you can't physically get power from the power point to your device, right? And that limits the ability to send signals from the brain to the muscle. So you can't actually use that muscle, okay? Because we know that signal and that electrical impulse and that, that um, conductivity, that's what in, uh, stimulates the brain to contract, Okay. Number two is neurological conditions. So we have, I'll give a few examples. Um, So muscular dystrophy, that's like a group of diseases. And that's where you get progressive weakness and loss of muscle mass, right? So you have abnormal genes, you have mutations of genes. And these genes, they interfere with the production of the proteins that's necessary to form healthy functioning muscle, okay? So you physically can't use that muscle as well as a normal person could. Okay, we have multiple sclerosis, um, and that's where you get damage to the protective sheath. Like there's a sheath known as myelin that surrounds nerve fibers, and that sheath helps with conductivity and speed and efficiency, right? And when that sheath gets damaged, it, it can cause scars, it can cause lesions on those nerves or in the nervous system. And that means the nerves, they can't send signals around the body properly or as well as they usually would, right? Those signals we talked about at the start. So if you have multiple sclerosis, you you have a limit in the ability of your nerves to conduct those signals, okay? So you physically do have a, an issue with the, the, the wiring, let's say. Uh, one last one, we have motor neuron disease. Um, and that's a condition where it affects the brain and the nerves. And it co- and, and this weakness of the brain and the nervous system, it gets worse and worse over time. And it eventually leads to paralysis because the brain physically can't send signals to the muscles and you can't move, right? That's what paralysis is. So that's neurological conditions. And then we have the third process. That's, it's an, an acute one. It's called arthrogenic neuromuscular inhibition, right? So we have an acute injury. So let's say you do your ACL. The brain actually down-regulates the signals from the brain, right? It down-regulates signals to the muscle to minimize the amount of force a muscle can produce. Um, And it can also alter um, the ability of the brain to control the joint uh, or to contract the joint and the muscles around it. But it's a good thing. In the short term, it's a protective mechanism, right? It's The brain's like, okay, I've got an injury in my knee and I'm not as strong. It's weakened. I need to prevent further injury or making it worse. So I'm going to down-regulate how strong those muscles are, right? So that's the three. They're the three ways you actually can have alterations or, or limitations with the signal going from your brain to your muscle, right? If you don't have any of those, first, I want you to be grateful and count your lucky stars. I want you like, because so many people have these problems and it actually affects their ability to activate their muscles. And second, I want you to realize you have perfectly functioning muscles and and a perfectly functioning nervous system, right? So doing activation routines is not going to improve your muscles ability to work or contract. Okay, if you have a nerve injury, it's going to depend on where the injury is as to what muscle or muscles are affected and how they're affected. And you're probably going to be doing your own rehab with a physio or EP that usually specialize in neurological rehab. Okay, same with the neurological conditions. You'll probably be doing your own rehab for that with a physio or EP. Um, And with arthrogenic neuromuscular inhibition, you're going to be using different rehab techniques, again, with a, a 
physio or EP to get that muscle firing and functioning properly again, right? This And this one, the last one, that is the closest you're going to get to doing activation work for a muscle. And even then, you're not even really activating it. You're just using it more and more to kind of build up and restart that connection to the brain and kind of give the brain a, a signal or, or tell the brain that it's safe to use that muscle again. And there's no risk of further injury, right? That's why when you have knee injuries, you want to minimize swelling because swelling will actually downregulate uh, the ability of muscles where the swelling is to contract. That's the whole point of swelling, to limit movement. Um, so what, you want to tell the brain it's safe. That's why you want to get swelling down, get range of motion up, and then start to build up those muscles again, all right? So now we know how muscles work, what they do, how they contract. We know the times that you actually may have problems with those muscles. So now let's say you're in that majority that just don't feel your muscles or you're not making progress. Let's talk about why that's happening and what you can do to help that or what you can do instead. Okay. And you're probably not going to like it because it's kind of one of those things that it's not a quick fix. Um, it is a quick fix, but it's not something you can just do like an activation routine and you're going to be firing and doing everything well again. It takes time and, and practice, right? The two biggest factors, they are exercise selection and they are exercise execution. And I'm going to use an example that is so fucking obvious, but it's going to hit, hit home, okay? You would not choose a bicep exercise to grow your tricep right? You would not do a bicep exercise and then complain that you don't feel your tricep or, um, or you don't, you're not making progress in your tricep, right? And it's silly, I know, but hopefully you understand kind of where I'm going with this. You need to choose efficient and effective exercises for the muscle you want to grow or get more skillful at or the ability to use or, or get stronger at, remember? Like, strengthening and growth and using muscles is actually a skill. It, it takes coordination. Your brain has to learn how to do it, right? And you also need to put your joints in a position and use exercises that requ require the brain to use those muscles, right? So I'll use another example. Just doing a leg exercise doesn't guarantee you're going to grow or get stronger or feel your quads burn, right? So a good example is like the leg press, right? That trains the leg. It's a fucking great exercise. But your foot placement and the range of motion and where you get that range of motion will dictate what muscle gets loaded the most, right? So we've got a high foot position. If you place your feet high on the leg press, you're going to get more knee uh, hip flexion, the knee flexion, and the glute is going to be in the best position to get loaded and do the work. And there's a good chance you're going to feel your glutes and they're going to be stimulated and used and grow and get stronger, okay? If you then move your feet lower and you start to bend the knee more and your hips don't move as much, you're now placing the quad in a better position to do the work and it's going to get loaded effectively and it's going to grow and get stronger and you're going to feel it while you're training, right? Same thing with lunges. Both muscles are going to be work. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like you just switch technique and one switches off, one doesn't because it still has. you still have to move the knee, you still have to move the hip, whatever. But if you have a vertical shin and a slight forward torso lean, you're going to place the glutes under more stress and load. If you then change that and you let your knees go heaps far over your toes and you get an upright body and, and you have less hip flexion, you're going to now load the quads way more, okay? And as I said, like doing knees over toes doesn't mean your glutes won't work and doing vertical shin doesn't mean your quads aren't going to work. It's just going to bias and put those muscles in a better position to do the job and it's going to give them a better chance to grow and get stronger and be trained through a full range of motion, all right? 
You can go and do all of the glute activation in the world, but if you then go and do exercises that aren't effective for the glutes, or you do a glute exercise, but you don't do it properly, you are never going to train, make progress in, or feel your glutes, okay? You gotta ditch the bands, ditch the isometric activation routines, and just do the right exercises in the right way. And for most of most of you who are having problems, you need to drop the ego and just learn and complete proper technique. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying isometrics and band work and stuff are, are never to be used. Like, yes, they have their place. They're not completely useless. But if you are not in one of those first three categories that I mentioned at the start, again, count your lucky stars, but then realize you are part of the majority who activation routines are not going to do anything for. Ditch the bands. Do the right exercises, do them in the right way, and you're going to make progress. You're going to feel those muscles. Until next time, hate us.